0: PBM is a pharmacy benefits manager. They are intended to process the claims between pharmacies that dispense medications to patients and the health plans that pay the bill for those medications. Uh, However, the largest pharmacy benefit managers are plan designers. They are plan administrators. They are plan marketers. They own pharmacies. And they are now either owned by or owned in association with insurance companies.
1: We're excited to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Rx Destroyer is transforming the drug disposal space by bringing your facility and patients a simple and effective method of safely disposing of unused, unwanted medications. If you're worried about drug diversion and federal rules compliance, learn how Rx Destroyer can keep you DEA compliant by checking out www.rxdestroyer.com forward slash pharmacy podcast
2: network. Pharmacy Podcast Nation. To receive 10% off your first order, use the code PHARMACY10.
1: Since March 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been developing content monthly, weekly, and daily for the business of pharmacy. With more than 25 different podcast channels, more than 1 million downloads, and 30-plus participating pharmacists, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is the global leader in podcasting for the pharmacy professional. Find all of our podcast channels by going to pharmacypodcast.com forward slash shows. Pharmacy benefit managers, better known as PBMs, are responsible for negotiating payment rates for a large share of prescription drugs distributed in the United States. Recently, state Medicaid systems, policymakers, and national pharmacy associations have expressed concern that certain PBMs business practices may not be consistent with public policy goals to improve the value of pharmaceutical spending. This podcast series is all about PBM reform. Listen to the discussions, share these podcasts, and help build a new pharmacy payer system which supports our independent Community pharmacies encourages fair and transparent competition in the marketplace and most importantly is designed to deliver the best patient care.
2: Hey, pharmacy podcast nation. This is the founder of the pharmacy podcast, Todd Yuri. What an exciting time. This is our second episode of the PBM Reform Series under Polititalk RX channel. I want to take us just a pause. So I want everyone to understand listening. That it is a very important that you share these podcasts with pharmacists everywhere to get them to understand, even if they're not a podcast listener, if you have a commute, if you're in the car for 20 to 25 minutes, these podcasts have specifically been developed to fit into that realm of time so that you learn about what is going on in your industry. How is this going to impact the future of your career? the fact, are you going to get raises? Are you going to move on? Are you going to get laid off? We have got to come together as an as an organization. We have to come together and think as an organization, even though you might be in compounding pharmacy or community, long-term care specialty, uh, health system pharmacy. I just got back from the ASHP 2019 mid-year. It was amazing. Lots of worried residents there. Lots of um, lots of P fours that are worried there. There were fifteen hundred resident opportunities, and there were there's a coming sixteen, thousand graduates in pharmacy. So PBM reform is an enormous part of your future as a pharmacist. So I am excited today to bring on Monique Whitney, who is the CEO of Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. This is an organization that started, I want to say, i 'll ask Whitney, but nonetheless i it 's been a while, and I remember helping to form the first social media strategy for the organization because it is helping to literally do the hard pushing work to accelerate uh, PBM reform but also hold accountable organizations that we entrusted back in the eighties this is the pbms to manage things under the administration of Making sure that drug prices were held to a a, a a standard based on the therapy based on the relationship with the manufacturer and there were there was a lot of data that was needed to be uh, consulted and, and put together and and make sense of it all and so that the PBM had its role well guess what it's gotten way out of control so I wanna bring on our guest today, I am excited, first time on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Monique Whitney, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast.
0: Thank you, Todd, thank you so much. Thank you for that awesome introduction and, and also for the promotion you gave me as CEO. I'm, I'm actually the executive director, um, although I think uh, I spent a lot of my time feeling like the air traffic controller. There's, there's so much happening right now in the country around PBM reform. It's, it is a truly an exciting time It's a time to be optimistic and hopeful. And we are so excited to be here today to talk to you and to talk to everyone who's listening about what's been happening.
2: Yes. And we have to have people come together. That's what the network is about. That's why we we invented the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Well, now there are other podcasters listening, there are state representatives listening, there are consumers. We have to remember what this all comes boils down to I know it's pharmacy jobs I know it's the future of our profession I know it has ties into provider status and getting paid correctly growing your pharmacy business growing your community pharmacy business but ultimately PBM reform is about patient care better patient care using the money using those Medicaid dollars the way that they were intended to be used in order to help um, our country stay healthy and our seniors stay healthy and live long better lives. And I feel that there's a white collar crime going on. I'm going to be opinionated in this series because that's why we invented this series is so that we can talk without borders and share our feelings and share information and share data and share facts. but there's also opinion because it's affecting us all. It's affecting me as a consumer. It's affecting me as someone, who believes in the function of a pharmacist as the hub of healthcare? And so before we started the recording, Monique and I were talking offline about several new, the new information that really came from the NCPA, um, from Andy, that really is an amazing communications director for them. And she sent me some bullet points that I do want to share with our listeners. And I want to get, Monique, I want to get your insights on this.
0: Great. Thank you.
2: So first of all, so today is December 23rd and so this has been several weeks now that a report from last week from the Virginia Department of Medical Assistance Services shows that PBMs are reaping the spread in Virginia, pocketing, that is profiting, if we use that that word, more than $29 million. Now, first of all, before I ask your opinion on this, when I see the word profit on taxpayer money for a service that is supposed to take care of our seniors and take care of people that can't afford their medications and take care of children, and when I see the word profit, that's where my blood starts to boil. So, what do you get out of this this report and this story, um, Monique?
0: Well, first of all, I'm not remotely surprised by this. Uh, Virginia is just the latest in a long line of states that have gone back and taken a look and they've seen that the contractors that they entrusted their Medicare, Medicaid, excuse me, uh, program to their, their pharmacy claims that you have these groups of people, these third parties that have taken advantage of the system. And I'm right with you. You know, you talk about, there's a difference between profit and profiteering, right? So you look at something like this and you think, okay, well, you know, in the world of business, one of the things that makes our country great is that anybody can see a hole in the marketplace and they can fill that hole, right? So PBMs, to their credit, way back in the day, they saw a hole. They saw an opportunity to process claims, and that was a good thing. That was something that was needed back then. The problem became when they started, you know, doing that that sort of like deep background, almost like um, Moneyball type of statistical analysis where they figured out, well, here's loopholes, here's how we can exploit, and they started developing these revenue schemes. And so now you've got a situation where instead of making a reasonable profit for providing a service, they've stepped in and they've taken over the supply chain from manufacturer to patient. And now you're looking at profiteering going on and spread is just one of the many ways they do it. So I'm right with you. You know, We look at this, it's disgusting, it's upsetting, The people who pay the bill for this, they don't have the benefit of the information right up front. It's just wrong at every level.
2: So Myers and Stoffer, a certified public accountant organization that digs down into data, uh, were part of a outcome in Kentucky. And the headline is a new study commissioned by the Kentucky Cabinet for Health and Family Services found carving pharmacy benefits out. Of the Medicaid managed care program, would have saved two hundred and thirty-seven and a half million per year, and the state's portion of the savings would have been forty-four point seven million per year. Mhm. Yeah. Once again, I'm a cons- let's say I'm a consumer in Kentucky, and I'm paying taxes, and I know that there's people suffering, and I see it in the news, and I see the pricing of drugs and i become infuriated because you know it 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 can't more be more glaring than a non-biased organization hired as auditors literally to go back through some data to find things that just don't add up from a from the way that the money is supposed to be being, being spent within the state of kentucky
0: absolutely and it's so frustrating as you said because you know here you are You are an average consumer, or maybe you are a senior, or maybe you are a member of a vulnerable population there. Many people are these days. And you don't understand why the drug prices are so high. It would be really easy to look back and say, well, it's got to be, you know, one group of people. It's got to be the people that make the drugs. But, you know, the reality is that what we're seeing is the effect of, you know, again, these middlemen, they get in the way where they once provided a, a valuable service. They've now come in and they're calling the shots. They design these plans. They sell these plans. They market these plans. And then they manage the plans. And what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to, to steer it in a direction that allows them to make these outsized profits, to even carry these profits out of state. Because you know this money that, that Kentucky found that they've been paying that that money that got reinvested back into Kentucky in any way that money went out of state and yet here are these populations that that need this help need this service and and they're left without you know they're 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 being left to hold the bag at every possible level it's just it's maddening you know
2: so I mean the it doesn't stop there um, the the Arkansas Insurance Department enforcing laws on the books. Issued a consent order, fining Express Scripts fifty thousand dollars for violating for violation of the NADAC reimbursement provisions of the Arkansas's PBM licensure Act. Mm-hmm. And what what I want everyone to realize, I mean, that this isn't a million dollar violation. But I, I here's the thing: how many instances? of the same type of violations are happening in the state Medicaid systems that these PBMs are within because they've been able to find a loophole of how to get away with it. And here's the thing, Monique, you there might not be an an explicit law in place within a state that makes something illegal. Okay. In some cases it is. Yes. In this case it was, yes, they, they, it was a violation. Of the arkansas pbm licensure act however Mm -hmm. imagine how many states have don't have specific laws in place because they didn't think it was necessary in the first place of what a pbm was and was supposed to be doing that when they start digging into this because this is all going to start coming apart because of the this national news that's making rounds and people are finally waking up and realizing what's happening as you know, you and I and independent pharmacies been waiting for all these other media and organization and, and, and politicians to catch up over the last 15 years, more so in the last five years, especially it's accelerated. But what do you think from your perspective that, that really you soak in this every day for as executive director for Putt? which by the way, I almost think that is the CEO of. <laughs> <but>
0: <laughs> you know, this, I think so too. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I could yeah. be character but whatever
0: yeah that's we're, cool we're, yeah. from your mouth to the board's ears right
2: <laughs> yeah. so what is your, like what do you think of that like what do you think how they're fined but what haven't they been caught
0: doing oh gosh you know i could talk for a solid hour on just this one thing so you mentioned nadac so nadac or the that stands for the national Average Drug acquisition cost, which is a reference-based pricing model. It is conducted by the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare. So it's a real deal, and pharmacists participate in these monthly surveys, and that's how we know what the average acquisition cost of a drug is. So it's actually a good thing, right? And then the reason that it's been established and the reason it matters is because, as, as people who are listening to this podcast may or may not know, pharmacies particularly, and most especially the community and independent pharmacies have been subject to below cost reimbursements for a long, long time. And that's why you see independent and community pharmacies closing shop. It's not because they aren't competitive enough or they don't provide enough service. That's an absolute lie. It's because no business can be expected to stay in business if they are subsidizing the cost of doing business, which is really what's happened here with Express Scripts. So what makes this an interesting case is that they are fining Express Scripts $50,000 for having violated reimbursement at NADAC, but in other states, as you pointed out, NADAC pricing isn't necessarily the reference point for, for uh, reimbursing pharmacies. So you're seeing a lot of other states where they're getting hurt really badly by this. You know, our hope, of course, is that with this moving forward, that, you know, Arkansas will, will prevail and that there will be a precedent set for other states to follow. That That is happening. Arkansas has been a phenomenal leader. And what I love is that it's Arkansas. You know, we kind of would expect a California or, you know, a Texas to to be the ones leading the charge, but it's Arkansas. And, you know, they've got a great attorney general who's really on the ball with this. They've got a supportive governor. You know, it's 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 really exciting. And, you know, of course, our hope is that we'll see Express Script stop being the bad actor that we know them to be. At least, you know, fingers crossed that that will be the case. I'm sure not too many people are going to hold their breath. It's
2: it's exciting to know that the Supreme Court is going to hear this. This is an opportunity to pull back the curtain and the shroud of mystery because nobody really understands it. I've never heard someone outside of the pharmacy industry, let alone probably 80%, 75% of the pharmacists out there tell me what a PBM does, like like literally and tells me how are they making their money, how are they taking rebates, how is that all working? Because in some cases, I think it also changes. I think that the, the intelligence and the lawyers and the people that build the contracts are building them to, to reflect and to impact the the stock price for their stockholders than it is really about, Hey, let's gear this contract towards making sure that our patients are taken care of based on the fact that the Medicaid money is coming from stack taxpayers within that state. And all by the way, let's make sure that we are covering our costs. We have, you know, people to run this. We have pharmacists to pay. We have formularies to manage. We have research to do. We have pharma companies to hold accountable. So that's what the peep. I still think there's a, I know PBM is a bad, a bad three-letter word, mm-hmm. but I, don't think, I think PBMs could literally become transformed and we could go back to what they were supposed to do in protecting the public and also protecting our pharmacists and, and being able to be that. It should have been a private organizations that took control of things, but now guess what you guys are doing? This makes me angry as a capitalist. You're form it, You're you're forcing government to get involved and to smack you around because you've done things so nefariously for so long.
0: Yeah, it, it's when it's what happens when the wolf guards the penthouse, as the saying goes. And you know they were allowed to write the laws uh, back in the previous administration, which is you know just what happened. And now we are reaping, you know the not the benefits, but, you know, we're we're reaping what we sow in that. So, um, and then also, you know, one of the things that's going to be really interesting, just to take a step back to something you referenced about the Supreme Court. So what's going to happen there is the Supreme Court's going to, they're going to review the decision that was made by the Eighth Circuit on Arkansas's laws. They were saying that the law that was passed in Arkansas is not, they're saying that ERISA preempts it, so Arkansas is saying this is not the case. And so, what's going to make this especially exciting? And again, I am not—I am not a legal expert on this. I—I just—I am, you know, I am uh, the person who sort of follows this along with all of my pharmacists at PUT. But what makes this exciting is that by reviewing this, we might actually get a decision once and for all on the role of ERISA on self-insured plans which comprise the bulk of many pharmacies book of business they have patients that are you know in private and commercial health plans and what's been so upsetting is that every time the state makes any state makes a step forward in being able to regulate pbms and prevent the kind of abuse that we're seeing going on at the state level uh but it's happening in private plans now will have an opportunity for a decision that will allow us to know once and for all if states can make laws that also protect these private and commercial plans because the payers you have to know if this abuse is happening at the government level it's also happening and potentially worse at the private level
2: what i also am excited about as you're referencing is if there's a change made in the supreme court then other states are going to be able to look into this um, the outcome and use it for their own reform. Yeah. So that's yeah. exciting too. Um, one more because I want to get into, so we're going to get to that, but one more um, item for information update. And then I also know many that you have one to share with our listeners? Yes. Ohio attorney general, Dave Yost, who we're, um, we're going to try to get him on the PBM reform show as one of the episodes. So Dave Yost is pursuing aggressive action against Optum RX, finding that the PBM overcharged millions by levying excessive costs for drugs prescribed through the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation. Yes. So we knew Ohio was unraveling and they have already gone farther in some ways than other states. And now this is just another additive, additive to the whole Medicaid reform happening in, in, in the state of Ohio. So what what are your thoughts on how this, on the chess game of, of PBM reform, how this plays in?
0: Well, this is intriguing. Uh, so Ohio has, they broke open the scandal that PBMs are now dealing with. So whatever you know crisis they are experiencing over in their offices and i know that they are it started here right so we saw first that there was some 224 million in spread that was being charged and then we saw that they were going to kick out the pbm's and they were going to recontract them now we're seeing the next step in the process which is you know going after specific entities that have overcharge and abuse taxpayer trust here. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I am enormously proud of Dave Yost, and I'm enormously proud of all the people there in Ohio for the work that they've been doing. They've led the way, and we continually watch them. We're inspired by them. So I I think it'll be a good thing. I say more to come out of Ohio. You will see them take their rightful place leading this reform charge, and if you're having Dave, on a future show, your listeners will have just a total treat, a lot to look forward there.
2: Yes, we're excited about really unraveling this. If you're listening to this series, PBM Reform, number one, please share these with as many people as you know, including consumers, your friends, your family. Um, Number two, if you are listening and you have an opposing viewpoint on anything we share, I want that as part of the series. I want to be transparent. We can't be hypocrites and not give our side of the data. And I think that that we need to um be as informative as possible. And I as a as a reference to that, Monique, I don't know if you know this, but I invited the PCMA to be part of this series. I was on the phone with Michael Boldaga from the PCMA. He's their director of strategic communications. Very nice guy, very professional. And they bowed out of being a part of the series, which is a red flag to me. I told them that we could ask questions that that we want to ask, but they could interject. They could even hear the episode before we published it, just in case they thought it was too scathing. And I thought that was a really good opportunity to get on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, listen to by more pharmacists than any other podcast, the very first podcast to do anything like this from 2009, really setting the stage to hear from an organization that lobbies for the PBMs, the PCMA. I can't even remember what what PCMA stands for, but nonetheless, I know that they're the lobbying group for the PBMs. what, don't you think that that's a, a red flag to you?
0: Well, you know, so, so PCMA, the Pharmaceutical Care Management Association, uh, that name alone sort of implies that they are good people who are, you know, pre- bringing care and management to the whole process. But it kind of, it, the name itself points to what we're finding to be true, which is, it's all smoke and mirrors. I'm not surprised. I I think it's awesome that you reached out and you asked them to participate because I do think, I believe in fair and balanced reporting. Yeah. I, you know, everybody has a side of the story, but I, I'm not surprised by this. Smoke and mirrors, backroom deals. Uh, back before I started working with, with Putt, I... Never would have believed any of this. In fact, I didn't, and I remember when I was first learning about it, and I was, you know, talking with my pharmacist about it. She was explaining this whole thing to me. I actually said to her, "Are you, are you sure? Like, is this really happening? Because I've been to CVS, and they're good people." It didn't take long, you know, doing just even the littlest bit of research to find out that, in fact, all of this is going on. Uh, there's a lot of shell games. There's a lot of uh, lies that are being told, and you know, when you are the one who is out there spinning these stories, I guess it would be awkward to be on a question and answer panel and, you know, have to answer direct and specific questions. I don't know. I'm not surprised, I guess, is what I'm saying.
2: I do think there are good people that work in all facets of administrative healthcare. I think the teams at CBS are extremely passionate about good healthcare for their patients. I work with CVS's career division. And the people that I work with are absolutely amazing pharmacists. They're passionate about pharmacy, but they're being impacted by this too. And some of them don't know it. Some of them don't realize that some of the practices within the large PBMs are hampering them from practicing at the height of their license based on the, and on the inability to pay for services that pharmacists could very well do, that have been trained to do, that are are licensed um, in many states to do, and start building that out to, to do what? What am I wanting to get out of this? Better patient care, spending less taxpayers' money to get it done, and being able to, to raise up the pharmacist. Raise up the pharmacist. I don't care if it's CBS or if it's an independent or long-term care or... Uh, mail service, or you know, mail service in of itself doesn't make sense to me in some adherence ways, because they need to calm down and start peeling back the the onion on on that stinky side of, of pharmacy. <laughs> in some ways, there's I don't say mail order; I say mail service because if if you're not providing a service, then why is why are your meds even being mailed through order? And it didn't make any sense for me. But yeah. um, so. So let's shift a gear to today's episode after this big long introduction that our listeners are listening to, but I just want to bring your the listeners up to date. Now let's shift let's do backshifting. I was a five pe- a five-speed driver when I was growing up. so I'm going from fifth gear down to third. <laughs> All right, so we're downshifting. What is a PBM? So it's a third- party administrator of prescription drug programs for commercial health plans, self-insured employers plans, Medicare Part D plans, federal employee health benefits. Um, you know, As of 2016, PBMs managed pharmacy benefits for 266 million Americans. And in 2017, the largest PBM had higher revenue than the largest pharmaceutical manufacturer, indicating their increasingly large role in the U.S. healthcare system in the United States. Now, let's take a pause. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read that sentence again. <laughs> In 2017, the largest PBMs had higher revenue than the largest pharmaceutical manufacturers. People, are you listening? So consumer, let's switch switch another gear. Consumers, if my dad's listening, I asked you, please listen to this podcast, dad. So if you're listening, bud you realize you might think that the drug issues and the drug problems in the United States are based on the pharma companies. Everybody wants to blame the pharma companies. Now, listen, we all have our roles and they have their role too, but that's not where the pinch is really coming from. It's coming from the, the PBMs. So Monique, tell us in your version also as a consumer, although we are all consumers, literally, um, what is a PBM? PBM 101.
0: So, you know, just as you said, a PBM is a pharmacy benefits manager. They are intended to process the claims between pharmacies that dispense medications to patients and the health plans that pay the bill for those medications. Uh, however, the largest pharmacy benefit managers are plan designers, they are plan administrators, they are plan marketers. They own pharmacies, and they are now either owned by or owned in association with insurance companies. So you just mentioned uh, these large corporations. Two of them are Fortune 10 companies. So if you look at Amazon or Apple, just a couple notches below that, you'll find United Health, who owns Optum RX, which is one of the three largest PBMs. And then another notch or two down, you'll see CBS Health which owns Aetna and owns CVS Caremark. The only other uh, one in the group is Express Scripts Cigna. And prior to the merger, Express Scripts sat at number 23 in the Fortune 500. It's now down a few more notches because I guess Cigna brought them down. I don't know any other way to explain that with the math, but they're very, very large publicly held corporations with a duty first and foremost to provide shareholder value. Uh, that's just the facts. That's what is required when you are publicly held. And that cannot sit in, uh, you know, equal status with patient care or patient value. It just can't. The two can't coexist together. So, you know, from, from our view, from my view as a consumer, it, they're very, very large corporations. They are not too big to fail. and Yeah, they're not too big to fail. And then, you know, from my perspective as the executive director of PUT, they are the foremost threat to the healthcare system and to to drug prices today.
2: The way that they stand today, the way that they're modeled today, that is absolutely the case. This this doesn't have to be this way. And by the way, as a capitalist, this doesn't have to not um, show a profit for a private organization. Now, there's other ways of making profit other than on programs and money that is supposed to go th- for those people who need coverage, our senior citizens who are relying on um, tax-based, state-based programs to fund their medication costs, to save their lives, to keep them alive. Um, there's So, I'm not... I'm not standing back, Monique, on this on this PBM reform series and just standing up and pounding my chest and saying how horrible PBMs are. Because, by the way, there are some very amazing, caring um, pharmacists that, that work for these organizations that are dedicated to the PBMs, the, the, the formula side of this, where the PBM pharmacist, who's a specialist maybe in a specific disease state, can advise their clients on ways to structure their benefits and offer selections at a variety of price rates, um, generic over brand, um, really managing the specifics within that formulary, as well as having data when, when we start talking about the specialty market, having data that is very specific in helping the, the patients and the manufacturers get rebates to these patients who are now. Um, having to pay out of pocket for exorbitant costs because of the medications are very expensive. So this can work, but it needs, it it needs reform. It needs revamp.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's also transparent PBMs out there as well. And that's one of the little known facts. You know, we've put so much attention on these big three for very good reason, because together they have somewhere between 75 and 80% of the U S prescription drug market. and, let me just say exactly what that means to anyone as a consumer. That means anywhere between 75 and 80% of every single prescription in this country that is processed goes through one of these three giant PBMs. But the truth is, there's, there are other PBMs out there. They are transparent, what's called a pass through PBM, and they are back there. Uh, providing the services that pbms came to the market to provide they process the claims they are transparent with the health plan payers they pass on their rebates that they negotiate with the manufacturers it it really is pharmacy benefits management as it was meant to be
2: right i i worked with um kyle and ken fields out of um, out of central ohio back in the day we We did things together, and and I think we'd like to in the in the future meet back up with them. And Jeff Malone with ARC's Preferred Benefits, and
0: Stephen Boyd from Southern Scripts. There's also an independent pharmacy-owned PBM coming coming to market too, a transparent one. Um, So there's a lot happening in that market that I think you know people should know about, particularly those who make the decisions around benefits, because they'd be amazed at how much money they could save and the headaches that would end for them if they just went this other direction
2: and there's no reason as a consumer that you can't go to your benefits coordinator, your HR department, and say, "Do you know about PBM reform, and do you understand the implications of what is happening when when you're expected to pay money for my benefits and we share the cost and what that means for negotiation because monique, I, I heard this at the ASHP conference in Las Vegas they <laughs> were saying you know we can we can do all this bitching and moaning and and as as we want but if consumers don't kick back if consumers don't get educated if the average consumer that thinks they're paying too much out of pocket for their drugs are going to stand there and yell at the pharmacist thinking it's the pharmacist you taking medications and you paying for that You need to be educated of what's going on. We can't use the excuse anymore in 2020, in this next new decade, where this needs to change. And we we need to take care of, we need to take control of this healthcare debacle in the United States. And one portion of that is drug pricing. And within that big, scary word that people see on CNBC or Fox News or CNN Drug price, you know, drug prices are out of control, rah-rah. Well, they never really educate the pharmacist of what that means. And I just we just got done saying reviewing in 2017 about the the in the pricing model in the pharmaceutical industry, the largest, most the highest revenue in the entire world of what is pharmacy and pharmaceuticals, it was the PBM that was It was at the the top of the the food chain.
0: That's right.
2: And that's not cool. So we're kind of winding down, but what do you want to set the stage for, uh, Monique, let the listeners know about? I think you have a surprise for the listeners of what's coming to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Would you like to share a little bit about that?
0: Yes. Yes, I would. And just in time for the holiday. So PUT, Pharmacist United for Truth and Transparency, is launching our own podcast here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, which we are super excited about. Uh, we call it the PUTcast. And the purpose of our podcast is to, to take the kind of information that we've been talking about today and, and share it at a, at a deeper, more practical level with pharmacists, pharmacy owners and patients. So that you know, the people in the trenches—we're so all in the trenches on this one. All of us are affected. Whether you're a patient or you are a, a pharmacist or a pharmacy technician, you know you're being affected by this. So, what we'll be talking about on our show is you know practical application of this information. You know, our name is Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, and that's not by accident. So, what you'll hear a lot of on our show is information that helps bring pharmacy together. Uh, more than ever, it's been exciting to see the different pharmacy factions come together in the different states where there's been activity and, and forward movement. We want to further that. Our cause is transparency. We believe that if you have all the cards on the table, you are equipped to make the best decisions. That's not currently available to any of us, You know, whether you're, as I said, a pharmacy or you're a patient. You don't have those facts. So we'll be talking a lot about that. Uh, Sometimes you'll hear us talking politics, sometimes you'll hear us talking policy, sometimes you'll hear us talking, you know, with patients and sharing some of those stories. So that's coming soon, and we are thrilled to be able to do that here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
2: Monique, we are equally excited. I was talking to Nathan and Chris about Putt coming aboard and giving our listeners some additional granular insight to many issues uh, state to state. So we're looking forward to that. Listeners, you are part of this. I don't care if you're a pharmacist, somebody in pharmacy technology, pharmacy automation, the pharmaceutical industry, we're all part of this. So if you have some insights, I want you to reach out to the Pharmacy Podcast. You can go to Twitter at Pharmacy Podcast, Instagram at Pharmacy Podcast. Email us, publisher at Pharmacy Podcast been around since 2009 we're dedicated to you the pharmacist i am your biggest fan i've uh, put that flag in the ground um several years back monique i'm pharmacist greatest fan i believe in what they can do for healthcare as well as patients i've seen what teresa toll did for my father down in sebastian uh shout out to teresa um I am excited, Monique, that you're part of this series as well as as your dedication to advancing the role of the pharmacist by protecting us all in in the advocacy as well as bringing intelligence to this all. But hey, I thank you for being part of this series, uh, our PBM Reform Series, too.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Glad to be there. And I hope you and everyone listening has a wonderful holiday.
2: We are going to wrap it up. PBM Reform Series. Please share these with your fellow pharmacists as well as fellow consumers and family members. And as always, I thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. PBM
1: reform is not a textbook process. This component of healthcare insurance will take time to figure out and will consist of many different players of the pharmaceutical supply chain. If you'd like to contribute information, data, or your own insights on PBM reform, please contact the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Send your email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com or call us at 412-585-4001.